0: Today's reading is taken from 1 Timothy um, chapter 6, verses 6 to 19, and you'll find that on in your Bibles in front of you on page 1,195. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if, you, if we have food and clothing, we will, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you, were made, uh, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus, from which God will bring about in his own time, God the blessed and the only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one can see, uh, no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain but to put their hope in god who richly provides us with everything from for our for our enjoyment command them to do good to be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share in this way they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of that life that is truly life (laughs)
1: <laughs> sorry Dave <laughs> I nearly took his head off <clears throat> it's gonna be a practical joke in my office tomorrow I think uh, let's uh, pray folks and if you could keep your Bibles open at 1 Timothy chapter 6 that'd be a great help to me let's pray Heavenly Father thank you for your goodness in speaking to us and uh, we do thank you for these scriptures which are in words that we can understand and we suspect the problem is not our understanding of the words but our willingness to put them into practice So help us to do that as well Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I don't know if uh, you caught any of the netball finals that were on TV about a month ago. I think Dave did, because his skills are pretty sharp. I think I saw the netball three weeks in a row, because it was super enjoyable. Man, it was fast-paced. It was super athletic. But I could tell that something wasn't quite right. Now, the problem wasn't with the players. They were fit. They were feisty. So it wasn't them. And the problem wasn't with the game itself. It was frenetic, it was fierce, and yet there was something that was definitely out of place. And then I worked it out. It was sponsored by Suncorp and Nissan. And I thought, what's with that? Like, fair enough that the main sponsor isn't Victoria Bitter, but can you really call yourself a professional sport if you're not sponsored by Sportsbet, or Ladbroke's or Crownbet, or Unibet, or William Hill, or the TAB? I don't think so. Do you? I wonder if you squirmed with unease when our local footy ground, Brookvale Oval, the Fortress Brookie, was renamed and rebranded as Lotto Land earlier this year. Did you squirm? I think I did. But you know, you do need sponsors after all. And I suppose you can't do much about the fact that the gleaming letters that spell Lotto Land shine their hopeful glare over hundreds of high school boys who make their way into St. Augustine's College next door every single day. I was talking to one of the fellows from St. Augustine's. He told me that virtually all of the boys in year 12 have sports betting accounts and apps on their phones. And they place bets on American basketball during Little Lunch. Well, there you go. Professional sport, it's run by statistics these days, isn't it? And I'm not talking about just um, you know, averages. I mean, they, they've got a statistic for everything, don't they? Free kicks, marks, disposals, inside 50s, metres gained, metres gained post-contact, penalties, turnovers, turnovers won, ball carries, intercepts, deflections. They've got a statistic for everything. It's run by stats. So I wonder if they did the stats before they erected the sign. Number of future marriages in which trust is eroded number of kids neglected, percentage of parents who've got to deal with debt collectors turning up at their homes because of the gambling debts their sons had racked up. I mean, sports run by stats these days. They must have done the analysis, right? Australia is the land of the punt. It's the home of the great gamble. And uh, what we're going to try and do today is talk meaningfully about gambling, which by all accounts is our national pastime. An estimated 80% of us, enjoy a flutter. As Emily said, we're uh, in the last week of this little holiday series that we're calling Hot Spots, in which we're trying to engage intelligently, uh, generously, coherently with some of the social issues that confront us as Christians. Now it, it would be much easier to bury our heads in the sand, wouldn't it? or to cocoon ourselves off into a nice and tidy little Christian bubble. But Jesus did ask us to be salt and light to the world around us. And if we're going to show love to the world, we actually need to be engaged with the world and not retire to a monastery. And we're going to need to deal with issues just like gambling, with conviction, and yet without personal judgment. And that has been our approach as we've looked at the questions so far of the environment of religious freedom of same-sex marriage now today as we finish with this topic of gambling let me say that at points it might appear like I'm being a little bit judgy I'll be upfront about that but I want to let you know that's not my intent okay uh, if you've never thought about this issue before what I'm trying to do is to challenge you robustly about it but if you're gripped by an addiction to gambling what I want to do is to offer you both hope and help particularly at the the back end but also let me say that if you personally profit from the dark desires and entrapment that is generated by gambling amongst people who can't afford it it's not going to be all sweetness and light for you today just letting you know now to get underway uh, what I want to do is um, give a couple of definitions for gambling and uh, some statistics before we turn to the pages of Scripture and consider its word on this topic before we land with what I hope is a really hopeful surprise. So some definitions. Gambling is the placing of a bet for the purpose of a financial win for ourselves which necessitates a financial loss for another person. Uh, others have described it as the risk of money, against, or the risk of your money really, against somebody else's on the outcome of an uncertain event. I think both of those definitions are quite helpful. And I suspect that we all have some idea of what gambling might include. You know, sure, it's the pensioner who can't really afford it, who nestles up to a poker machine every second Thursday, or it's the young lad who's betting on whether the sea eagles will beat the tigers in the footy. And we might not automatically include financial investments that speculate on the the short-term or the spot movement of stocks or instruments, or currencies that not really related to any underlying provision of goods and services. But maybe we should include those highly speculative short-term investments. Maybe we should. I said uh, that gambling was our national pastime with an estimated 80% of our population participating. Now that's got to mean it's an issue for our church, even if it's under the radar, radar somewhat. But here are some other notable findings from the most recent Australian gambling statistics that we have from 2015. Total gambling expenditure was $23 billion and growing, which means the per-adult gambling in Australia was about $1,250 per head. Total electronic gaming machine expenditure, so that's kind of poking machines, was $11.5 billion and growing, so roughly half. Total sports betting expenditure was about 5%, but that was three years ago, two, three years ago. So it's growing in dollar and percentage terms. See if you like this one. Australians lost more gambling per person than any other nation. So not only do we love it, but we're really bad at it. So that really just paints a picture. What do you think as Christians Where we should do about gambling? How are we to think about it? Can you really have a harmless flutter, what does the Bible say? Well, I've got two main headings for the rest of today. Something for nothing and then nothing for something. So let's dive in firstly with something for nothing. And really I'm talking about gambling and human greed because there's no doubt that getting something for nothing is at the heart of the fascination of gambling. There's just something appealing about picking a winner that pays out. Don't you think? Or just scratching your way to $20,000 or pressing the button on the pokey having them all line up hitting the jackpot we all know that you can't beat the house but can we beat our own hearts because the heart our hearts are of great concern to God aren't they well let's look at a couple of passages of scripture firstly from 1 Timothy chapter 6 that Rusty read for us. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish, harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. It's the New Testament. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 from the Old says this, whoever loses money, loves money I should say. (laughs) If you lose money you never have enough, do you? Whoever loves money, it's a bit of a Malcolm Fraser moment there for me. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with the income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? The sleep of a labourer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. Wouldn't you have to say that at the very core of gambling is the desire to get rich or richer quickly, without working for it ourselves or without receiving it as a gift from the generosity of others. It really is a form of greed or envy in which we want what we're not entitled to. And so we create a scheme to get something for nothing. And there really is just a, a, a problem with that base desire of greed or envy, just to get more. And we think that if we have just a little more, maybe a second income stream, then we'll be content. That's, that's the kind of train of thought. But the scriptures say whoever loves money never has enough, man. It doesn't satisfy Have you ever found yourself looking at those Oslotto ads where the enticement is a truckload of money and thinking to yourself, man, I wish I was driving that truck. I have. And you know what? If I was driving that truck, apart from those weird round things that are in the cab, if I was driving that truck, I think I'd soon wish that I was driving a longer truck that had a bigger load of money. That greed underpinning our gambling pastime, it's just deceitful. And that hope for just a little more is illusory because we always want just a little more. Don't you think it was for good reason that Jesus warned us you cannot serve both God and money like one of them always wins? We pretty well know which one it is. Don't you think it's for good reason that the teacher in Ecclesiastes warned his students against greed? don't you think it's not hard to see the apostle paul's warning to timothy about those wanting to get rich falling into temptation and a trap and into harmful desires and ultimately into ruin as playing out at race tracks and in gaming rooms all over our country don't you think there's immense wisdom in 1 timothy 6 verse 6 that says godliness with contentment is great gain it's a better bet in other words I think uh, there's another reason why the the scriptures aren't silent on the topic of gambling and that's because it, it severs the connection between work and pay. There is a basic method that God has set up for us to provide for our needs and that's called work. And he's given it to us right from the beginning of scripture and we all know that work can be difficult and it can be toilsome and it can be frustrating but we have work so that we can provide for ourselves and our family and perhaps for others who can't work to provide for their, themselves but instead of relying upon discipline and effort well gambling depends on luck and chance that scores and share prices move this way rather than that way well the scriptures urge us to work hard and creatively for the benefit of others and yet gambling generates a something-for-nothing attitude that's just perilous for our soul What do the words say in Ecclesiastes 5, the sleep of the labourer is sweet, whether they eat little or much, because at least they know it's their own bread and they've earned it. There was a governor of Wisconsin in the States who said way back in 1873, nothing is so demoralising or intoxicating, especially amongst the young, as the acquisition of money or property without labour funny really because the book of proverbs said something very similar a whole lot earlier those who work their land will have abundant food but those who chase fantasies will have their share or their fill of poverty wonder if you've ever thought that gambling necessitates losers you ever ever thought that even if we win and man that's pretty big if even if we win our wins are somebody else's losses i mean that's kind of how it works isn't it The money that gets spat out when you hit the jackpot it's other people's money of course more often than not it's it's our money that's going to others I wonder if you can see that even if you don't become addicted to gambling it's very difficult to uphold that basic preeminent Christian value of love for other people when you're taking money off other people at their expense and it's often those who can afford it least I wonder if there really is such a thing as a harmless flutter It's interesting, isn't it, how enjoyment of a game you've bet on changes shape when you've bet on it, when there's a financial loss or gain included. It's intriguing how prone to greed we are and how we don't think of others when we're caught up in the rush of it all. It does seem to me that the appeal of something for nothing is really quite strong. Now friends, I don't think it's just the, uh, the internal kind of heart aspect that's the only downside of our national absorption with gambling. The, the wider consequences to families and societies are actually horrific. Uh, what attracts us to gambling is the idea of something for nothing. But big picture, what we reap is nothing from something. Uh, nothing good at least from all that 23 billion dollars. I mean, you think about it, it's not, Uh, Entirely difficult to see the connection between uh, gambling or a a gambling addiction and family neglect. Money gets spent at the track or on the app uh, or in the gaming room that should be spent on growing children or ageing parents or the needs of friends or strangers via charitable donations or even just productive and enjoyable and positive pursuits of our own. That's not hard to see. Pretty hard to bear, but not difficult to see. Less obvious is the, the basic society-wide redistribution of wealth in which money is on the whole taken from poor folks and distributed to wealthy folks who own the exchanges and the betting houses. I wonder if you saw during the week, I did four times because members of staff kept sending me the link to my email address. I wonder if you saw during the week the request from Fairfield Council to put a freeze on pokies in, bar, in bars and clubs and pubs in that area because they are wreaking havoc in what is one of the most socially disadvantaged parts of Sydney. Gambling might be considered, or traditionally is considered, one of the pleasures of the working man, but it's big business to the wealthy man, and the money tends to flow in that direction. Of course, it must have an effect right across the board. Uh, There was a governor of New York this time, his name was Tom Dewey, in the kind of Roosevelt era, and this is what he said. Big call. The entire history of legalised gambling in this country and abroad shows that it has brought nothing but poverty, crime and corruption, demoralisation of ethical standards and ultimately a lower living standard and misery for all the people. But if it's true that it affects all the people, it certainly creates a basic redistribution of resources from the poor to the rich, even if that's not obvious for us to see and perhaps even less obvious to the naked eye are the countless lost opportunities to bless a less fortunate world. So back in 2015, that was the year where we spent $23 billion on gambling. Australia's foreign aid budget was $4 billion. So $23 billion on gambling and $4 billion on foreign aid. Uh, you might look at that and say, well, Scott, that's not fair. You're not comparing apples with apples. One is government spending, the other one is personal choices. Well, I look at it and it looks like this, four billion versus 23 billion, and I call it a national calamity. How can it be anything but that? We can, I mean, let me get it right in my head. We can spend 23 billion dollars trying to get a little bit richer. Nationally can only spare four million dollars to help the poorest people in the world. Okay, let's say I am being unfair, and let's look at private giving to charity. Roughly the same percentage of Australians, that's 80%, give money to charity. Well done. But we give roughly half to charity what we spend on gambling. Tell me how that is nothing other than a national calamity. I mean, let's just imagine this scenario, right? Someone with a bit of clout, a bit of kudos, a bit of respect. I don't know whether it's a political figure or a celebrity figure, whatever. Whatever and comes out on the the eve of Melbourne Cup. You know, that's where a bunch of horses race around a track. Race that stops the nation. And uh, and this person says, look, this is what we're going to do tomorrow. Whatever you would have betted um, on this race, we're going to give to charitable organisations. That's what we're going to do. Well, if that were to happen, there might be $800 million more to play with to relieve difficulty amongst our fellow citizens. Or if that was applied to our global poor neighbours, that would increase our foreign aid spend by over 20%. One horse race. 3,200 metres. But it's never going to happen. Because if even you suggested that, people would call that un-Australian. And that'd be entirely accurate, wouldn't they? So our hearts and maybe our, you know, the betting companies and... The clubs trick us into thinking we can get something for nothing. And so we pour $23 billion into that mirage. And what we really get, keep doing that. What we really get is nothing for something. Nothing other than entrapped souls and neglected families and a more uneven society and a less gracious world. Nothing from something. So how do we respond as Christians? I mean, that's a good question, hey? I think the answer is not simply. You know, back in 2007, Russell Crowe, you know, Russell Crowe, uh, co-owner of South Sydney Rugby League team, he, he announced that he wanted to rid Souths of its poker machines. And I think, bravo, Russell. Honestly, man, that is the best thing you have done since Gladiator. Now, how did it work out? The following year, the South's board voted the proposal down, and the club accepted sponsorship from an online bookmaker. In 2011, the club entered into a sponsorship deal with Sydney's Star City Casino. Then South signed a large sponsorship deal with Crown Resorts, who operate casinos all over the place. And you can see their logo emblazoned on rugby league's biggest stars. And you think to yourself, man, if a Hollywood A-lister can't create any change in a club that he part owns what hope is there for us as average Christian people now maybe you don't think we need to respond I mean I've heard a number of arguments that Christians have uh, employed to try to justify gambling I can't say I find them super convincing uh, some have said look we need to support our clubs by poker machines and I think, right, by fleecing the very members that we're meant to be serving, come on, we, we, there's got to be a better way of doing that. Uh, some might say, you know, if it makes the game more enjoyable, but it only makes it more enjoyable if you win, doesn't it? And that whole adrenaline thing that really enhances your experience, well, that's the, that's the addictive element, isn't it? The addictive chemical Nobody gets hurt, people say, well, perhaps, but nobody gets helped either. And I really think it is worth thinking carefully about this issue if you haven't already. Now, let me say, I'm not going to legislate here. And I'm not going (laughs) to, it'd be so stupid, wouldn't it, to crack someone for putting in $2 into a Melbourne Cup sweepstake and saying that's greed, especially if the same person is driving around in a $100,000 car or spending the same amount of money on holidays. So that's not going to be helpful. But I do want to say, at an individual level, we can take control over our own actions. And you don't actually have to get involved, do you? I realise that just say no is not always a great strategy. But at the point of our lives where we have an opportunity to form a habit, we can actually choose not to. Of course, nobody plans to become addicted to anything, but you can plan not to, can't you? by opting out at that sort of entry point. And I think that will protect our hearts from greed, and it will protect our families from neglect, and it will protect our wins coming at a loss from others. And How about this alternatively? I mean, this is un-Australian. You could say yes to opportunities to bless other people with the money that you would have spent chasing something for nothing. On the investment side, and, and we're naturally thinking about this, Good thing to think about. We're going to want to invest our capital not just not into firms that are gambling kind of companies or provide gambling opportunities, but even in our investment strategies, we want to avoid gambling opportunities, those fast, kind of highly speculative profits at others' expense. I mean, financial planning is a good thing, but we've got to resist greed in it. And I think we do that by investing it in resources that are productive, enterprise, right? it's things we can do. And I think there will be some of us, look, there will be some of us who have moved beyond entry-level gambling. There will be some of us here today, I'm sure, whose lives are being dominated, dominated by the allure and the pull and really bondage to gambling. Let me say, it could happen to any one of us. One of our local ministers had to stop leading his church because of this exact issue. And so if you think... That only happens in Fairfield. You don't live in Manly, friend. You live in a parallel galaxy. It could happen to any of us. And if it does, then just say no. Well, that's going to be an inadequate response, isn't it? But I think it's equally inadequate to just remain enslaved to the pull of quick money or the adrenaline hit of the bet. If you want to overcome the temptation to gamble, or in fact, any temptation, at some point, at many points perhaps, you, you both need to take responsibility and practice repentance. That's what overcomers do. We practice repentance, we say sorry, and we take responsibility. We own it. I believe that having set us free from our slavery to sin and death, God has no intention of his sons and daughters remaining into slavery to something like gambling. But if that's going to happen, well, you've got to own your problem And then you've got to practice repentance. Those who overcome all sorts of things, including gambling, will they embrace grace? We embrace grace both from God and from others. That is, if we're going to move forward, we've got to receive the forgiveness and the mercy that is extended by God. And the rest of us need to be generous So that those battling can experience the deep impact of being treated with respect even whilst knowing something of the struggle and the problem. Because at the end of the day, let me tell you something that's true. I'm not okay. And you're not okay. And that's only okay because Jesus has extended his great grace to us. And he has better plans for us than even we have for ourselves. So if you are battling an addiction to gambling or anything, I I need you to own your problem rather than hiding from it. I'm going to ask you to receive the grace of God in all its forms rather than considering yourself worthless or unforgivable. And I can put you in touch with counsellors and support services that can make a real difference. And I'm going to ask all of us to treat those amongst us who have owned their struggle with respect and encouragement. All of us got a role to play, don't we? But today I want to conclude with a, with a better something for nothing. I want, to, I want to conclude with a something for nothing that cost everything. I'm of course talking about the gospel. You know, that single unified entrance of God into human history in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who lived among us, accommodating himself to our relative earthly poverty and then taking upon himself our utter spiritual poverty that consists of all our sins and our errors and our addictions and our selfishnesses. And then he carried them to the cross to pay the penalty that they warranted who took our debts upon himself and paid them for us because we couldn't afford to pay them ourselves. And in return he grants us forgiveness, freedom, pardon, and a place in his family and a glorious future to look forward to. And friends, that really is a better something. And it costs us nothing in terms of what we contribute other than turning and trusting in the magnificent life, death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to say that that forgiveness and freedom and pardon and place is a sure bet and a better something for nothing. But it did cost him everything, even death on a Roman cross. As we finish, recent research suggests that the causes of gambling addiction are not primarily an addictive personality, um, that might have been learned through a dysfunctional upbringing, which is what we'd previously thought, but actually it's the influence of peers and the media which glamorise gambling and it's, its availability, like it's in your face and it's on your phone, and also the degree to which your life lacks purpose. In other words, you ain't got anything better going on. Well, look, you might need to switch off the media, you might need to find new friends, you might need to start watching the netball, or delete the app off your phone, but if your life lacks purpose, I would love you to know the Lord Jesus Christ deeply because he offers a much better something for nothing than the lure of gambling, even though it cost him everything. At the cost of his own life, he now offers freedom, (coughs) forgiveness, pardon, a place in his own family, and a really bright future to look forward to. Now tell me, my friend, what would be the odds of that? Let's finish by praying and then I want to tell you about one next step. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who took upon himself the relative poverty of just living on earth, but then certainly embraced our utter spiritual poverty when he took all of our sins on himself to the cross, paying our debt as it were. And in return, we are offered freedom, forgiveness, a pardon, a place in his family, in your family, and a great, bright, hopeful future to look forward to. I want to pray for brothers and sisters and friends here who are struggling, perhaps trapped by the allure of gambling, that you would help them to own their problem, to embrace your grace, it takes necessary steps, I want to pray for all of us, that we think very carefully about this issue, not just its effect upon our own lives, but its effect upon our society. And I ask that you would humble us to show great grace to those who might struggle. And in every way, in every part of life, we do want to live a life that is worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.